BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. WebmasterRadio.fm presents a show custom built to give you everything you need to build your business on the web. WebmasterRadio.fm presents CEO Coach. From funding to finance, set up to staffing, our CEO coaches break down the art of business development from the ground up. Now here to get you started are the experts of online business startup, management, and development. The founders of Outlines Venture Group, Jillian Music and Ann Kennedy. Welcome to CEO Coach. I'm Jillian Music, co-founder of Moz and Brett Approved, and I'm CEO at Outlines Venture Group, as well as general manager at the Sibylla Masters Fund. I'm here with my friend and colleague, Ann Kennedy, and my partner at Outlines Venture Group and the Sibylla Masters Fund, and author of Global Search Engine Marketing. Together, we are serial entrepreneurs. We help online companies to launch, grow, pivot, and thrive. Find out more at outlinesventure.com. Hello, Ann. What's on your mind today? Well, uh, Jillian, it's not what, it's who. Ooh. I am so excited to say we have a guest today, Lindsay Tabus, a lady engineer, as she puts it. And she guided user, user interface and user experience design for many companies and their products before she launched her own consulting group, which we're going to talk a lot about in this segment. So, Lindsay, welcome to CEO Coach. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. We are so excited to have you. So please tell our listeners a little bit about your life as a lady engineer and what led you to launch your own consulting business and what it does. Um, from what you told me when I met you at the Comcast Lift Labs, yours is a very interesting story and even a little frustrating at times. <laughs> Yeah, so you mentioned that I call myself the lady engineer. I trademarked the lady engineer in 2017 because, you know, who would have thought being me in tech would still be an anomaly? After all, I did start designing software in 2002 while I was studying systems engineering at University of Virginia, which is a decently long time ago. I thought the industry would have changed by now, but it's 
largely still very male dominated on the engineering and product side. Um, so it sounds like you're talking about the bro culture. Yeah, How does that affect engineering business as well? I, I take it it had something to do with you launching the company. Yeah, so um, I can talk about how I jumped into the branding of Lady Engineer and how that was a big decision for me, kind of purposely moving away from that bro culture. Or I can also continue uh, my background. Which one would you like me to hit? First? Let's start with your background and then we'll talk a bit <laughs> about bro culture in the next uh, sure. questions here. Sure. So I'm a product market fit expert and a startup strategist. Over the past 15 years, I've worked with over 100 startups and investors, as well as teams across Fortune 500 firms. So often, people rush into software development. They spend 5000 or even 200000 on developers before really having a business with validated and active customers. It can be devastating to spend that much money and then realize there are no customers to buy your product. So since I speak both the subjective language of the average person and the objective, detail-oriented language of developers and engineers, I now work with founders to help them design and sell the right product before investing more in software development. I save my clients a lot of money and dead-end work while also trying and getting them to revenue faster. It sounds like Excellent work. So um, we just, uh, Ann and I just uh, taped a show that was talking exactly about that, about understanding what the customers require and where their pain points are well before you begin to write lines of code. So brilliant in launching such a company. So tell us, how did you come to launch that company rather than continuing to work from the inside? Well, I like to tell people that I was raised by two self-employed parents who in turn were raised by four self-employed parents. So no one taught me how to work for other people. I was always a misfit, which I know a lot of entrepreneurs feel as well, uh, and found it hard working from the inside out. Like I said, um, or maybe I didn't mention, but I went to San Francisco in 2005. I uh, got my graduate degree at UC Berkeley. I had big startup dreams. I had a twinkle in my eye. I was hacking away on the weekends 10 years ago, you know, pitching in business plan competitions, finding tech co-founders. I was doing this from the get-go. So it was only a matter of time that I finally could get something off the ground for myself. Uh, start out as an independent contractor. And then eventually, uh, I've been in business now six years, self-employed six years. But in 2017, I took the pivot, trademark the lady engineer, uh, built a more authentic feminine brand uh, that really represents me and my opinions on how the industry operates. Uh, I did that about two years ago. Makes good sense. Um, so as we uh, kind of continue this conversation around the technical work that you do for companies and so on, how would you say that differs in any way, perhaps from companies or even in-house folks who might perform that kind of work who are not ladies? Do you think that gender itself brings a, you know, a specific perspective? 
Well, 100%. If we're just talking about innovation and solutions, we see that with the, you know, advent of all these women focused uh, startups that are providing solutions for women's like health needs and women's lifestyles uh, that haven't been addressed in, you know, 20, 30, 40 years. So certainly women have a certain opinion innovation wise. I think that in this conversation, we always have this tension of, oh, men are uh, more likely to take risks, women are risk averse, men are more likely to boast about themselves and women are conservative. And I like to look at those perceived weaknesses as actual strengths in women's favor for building uh, businesses. So um, that's one. In, in what way would they be strengths? Because they are not strengths as you pitch to someone who is a conventional venture capitalist who right. is accustomed to hearing, if you will, the hubris of the, uh, you know, the monstrous idea and the uh, assertion that they are the right people to do it. And yes, I would agree that women by and large, of course, there's always a Venn diagram here, but by and large, so many women will not behave that way. And when they do, they are not looked on kindly anyway. So we can get into that as another issue. But right now, just dealing with the realities of that, in what way is this a serious advantage for women? Is it an advantage? Is that what you yes, said? Yes, yes. The lack of hubris, if you will, um, a different way to look at it. What would you say would be a serious advantage for that? So um, I know both of you are investors and you may know yes. that part of my consulting business is performing due diligence on behalf of investors. So I've been doing that for three years. And I can tell you that nothing is more disappointing than getting bought into uh, the hubris of a like of a pitch deck and then getting into due diligence and realizing that it's all vapor, right? That these are all just claims that they made uh, because maybe uh, uh, some Silicon Valley investors pushed them to a, a uh, overvaluate their own business. You lose people's trust. Right. If you if you come in and and say that you're doing all these things when, in fact, the reality is very, very different. So I think that women's ability to kind of state the truth creates a, a relationship of trust up front. I also think that women, we say they're risk averse, but the reality is they validate their business assumptions a lot more than men do. So we see men with this hubris that aim really, really big, but they also bust really, really big. Whereas women being a little more conservative, validate their assumptions, introduce smaller products and services early on. Um, so I think that the conventional model for a, what a quote unquote Silicon Valley startup is, is uh, based on like men's leadership behavior. And so then we automatically say it's negative for women. But that's really not the case. Women's businesses are a whole lot more reliable. And I believe the data shows that women stretch their money further and are long-term more successful or likely to be successful than male-led startups. Yes, we have some wonderful statistics around that. 
women will raise 66% less capital than men. Uh, they get only 18% of the valuations at the entry level Series A, you know, first price round. Uh, they exit consistently at about 35% higher ROI over more than two decades. Um, they are constantly returning uh, higher ROI, building better corporate cultures. They have less Me Too problems and other legal uh, issues than the men by a very large margin and so on. So we do know that there is, by and large, a very great gender divide in the leadership style and the leadership results um, as we look at these kinds of equity investments. But of course, we are also looking at perhaps um, investing in different ways, not just uh, investing using equity. So that's a subject for another time. But at the <laughs> moment, as you do this kind of due diligence work, I think you are illuminating the same kinds of things that we talk about. Very interesting stuff. 100%. And that's why Anne and I uh, clicked and hit it off from the get-go. I appreciate what you all are doing with um, creating alternative investment models. And I think those models can be more comfortable as well for women who, to be honest, don't want to be indebted to a bunch of men that they don't know or trust or feel 100% validated or supported by. That's a great comment. Lindsay, and you know, you've been singing our song and I'm so happy about that. So we have to take a break for our sponsors now. Um, after the break, I wonder if you could tell us and our listeners in more detail about finding the right product market fit, because I thought what I heard you say at uh, Lift Labs that day was really interesting and also fresh and refreshing the way you, you said women tell the truth. Well, you told the truth that day. So let's take a break and then come back and talk about that. Um, this is CEO Coach, and we'll be right back. More on how to get your business on the web with CEO Coach after this. Here's the truth you need to know about podcasting. The biggest problem you face right now as a future podcaster is the myth that it takes an enormous amount of time or effort to produce a high-quality professional podcast. Luckily for you, there's a solution to your problem. If you're an online marketer who really needs to grow an audience of buyers but can't do all the heavy lifting alone, then here's the solution you're looking for. Introducing the DFY Podcasting System. Here's what you get. 30 minutes of one-on-one -on -one training a weekly podcast for you or your company, distribution to almost every podcast portal, an embeddable player for your website, an ebook called How to Podcast, created for WMR.FM show hosts, and much, much more. And best of all, you'll start seeing results with the DFY podcast system within a couple of weeks. You're just one podcast away from growing brand awareness and engagement in your business. Log on to podcast.wmr.fm and sign up for a deeply discounted rate today. That's podcast.wmr.fm. It passes before it's noticed. A slight rising of the eyebrows, a widening of the eyes. It may be accompanied by an almost imperceptible inhalation. The heart adds a beat like a quiet exclamation point on the experience. Within a tenth of a second, the reaction has passed, but not without leaving its mark. Someone found what they're looking for. Does your website deliver impulses to act? It can. 
Intended Consequences is the podcast for digital marketers who see their job as changing hearts and minds. If you're frustrated, bored, or in a rut, it's time to spread your wings with me, Brian Massey, and my guests. Find out how successful, curious, creative, and data-driven marketers are making a difference on purpose. Visit intendedpodcast.com or find us where you get your podcasts. Intended Consequences, marketing on purpose. LPO, landing page optimization, where we make marketers great using design, data, psychology, and attitude. Join our host, Brian Massey, best known as the Conversion Scientist, as he sits down with leading marketers to help you create campaigns that deliver. LPO, only on webmasterradio.fm. We're back with Julian Music and Ann Kennedy on CEO Coach, only on webmasterradio.fm. Welcome back to CEO Coach. We're talking today with Lindsay Tabus, who is a uh, UI and UX consultant and also a product market fit consultant. And before the break, we heard a lot about how you got to this point, Lindsay, and uh, what wonderful things you have to say about women in business. And that's great. So one thing I've heard you say um, about the product market fit it, and I think you hinted at this in our first segment, sell the right product before you build the wrong one. So tell our listeners what you meant by that, why it's important. We hear product developers talk about product market fit all the time. What are they missing? Right, right. So product market fit to me is another kind of startup idiom that has jumped the shark. Uh, there's so many definitions that it's, become not very useful, but in general, it has something to do with aligning your customers and your business. Now, uh, when I, we look at the reason that startups fail, the number one reason startups fail is that they launch to no market need. What does that mean? They put out a product and there were no customers that fit. So when we look at uh, the standard advice out there, people say, you should identify a problem, sub out a solution, build an MVP, and then look for product market fit. Well, build an MVP and then look for product market fit is exactly the number one reason startups fail, which is launching to no market need, right? So uh, I like to um, propose, and I have proposed a new innovation framework to make sure that we're constantly aligned between our business and our customers from the very, very beginning. One of the reasons I came up with this new innovation framework is that I find women succumbing to this bad advice, like I said, spending lots and lots of money without actually having a business. And since women by and large right now are not technical, if they wanna build an MVP, they're going to have to spend money. So what are they able to do without spending so much money up front in order to validate their businesses. So first and foremost, innovation is a process and it starts with the problem. I have a bunch of quotes from Albert Einstein that I love, but he says, it's not that I'm smarter, I just stuck with the problem longer. So we wanna spend the first two stages really in the problem exploration and validating there's a problem so painful that 
people will pay you to solve it. If you find a problem that's so painful that your potential customers are shooting their arms up in the air and saying, I want to come along for the ride. When are you going to develop this solution? How can I help you? Then you know you have a problem that is worth tackling. And if you did your customer discovery and research really well, you have those customers that want to work with you. Now, going into solution finding and iterating, you don't have to just pick out a solution based on your own opinion. After all, you are not going to be your customer. Other people are. In human-computer interaction and my field of study in the user interface design world, there's a, a term called participatory design. So what I say is that you need to co-create with your customers. So this is a term that's a concept that's been around for a long time, just really not picked up in the popular vernacular for um, or the popular process for innovating in product development. If you have customers that are so excited you could solve this problem, then they can actually help you design your software and all you have to do is finesse it and serve it right back to them. And in the process, you might actually be able to add value through services, through um, some low-hanging fruit technology solutions so that they're actually paying you while you're developing the bigger thing long-term. And I mean, nothing's better than having customers involved in the design and development process and there's nothing better than having people waiting for your product when it launches. You know, Jillian, that makes me think a bit of how you did that at Moz, yeah, your product development. We absolutely did. And we counsel that, and uh, you and I, with many of our companies, uh, you know, who become our portfolio companies as well. Um, it works very well with B2B. I would suggest that anybody listening today will be thinking immediately of Steve Jobs or maybe of Henry Ford. Henry Ford said, if I had asked my customers what they wanted, they would have said a faster horse. And, uh, you know, Steve Jobs said, I bring to market things that people absolutely cannot live without that they never even knew they wanted, let alone needed. And so with both of those, I'd say what we're talking about today works very well with the B2B sector. And if you don't build it with your customers, nobody's writing the check for you. But even when you're doing this kind of product market fit, um, and we talked about this uh, a little bit in our last session as well, and even as we look at that, I would agree um, today with our guest that it's time um, to talk about the problem with your customers, not necessarily your solution. If you let them illuminate the problem, they will illuminate what they hope can be solved. Then it's up to you to design how it will be solved. Indeed. And there are times when I think, um, and let me bounce this off you, Lindsay, see what you think. Maybe product market fit is looking at it through the wrong end of the telescope. Maybe we should be talking about the customer product fit. Could you tell me more about, you know, what you mean by customer product fit? Because if you remember the day we met, I have seven benchmarks that connect, you know, the problem to the value and the value of the prototype. I think I know what you're talking about, but I'd love to hear you. Well, what, what I mean is just to turn the focus around to the customer and stop focusing on the product. Um, exactly. So, yeah. so even just I switching think it to market products. Yeah. Tell us your seven benchmarks because those are highly illuminating. Yeah, so um, uh, in the first stage of problem exploration, 
there's founder problem and problem value, right? Why you are the person to solve this problem. Do you have the grit and passion to solve this problem? And then is the problem that you identified valuable enough to some market segment? And so I think that's where, and I try to explain to founders that these early stages is really a Rubik's cube where you're considering a bunch of different niche customer segments that all have this customer problem, yet who has it? The most and experiences it experiences the most pain that they would pay to have you solve it, right? So starting with that customer segment that has the most pain, seeing that there's value, and then going into solution finding and iterating, you map that value to the first version of your prototype, which could be a concierge service. It could be something very lightly developed. Um, then prototype pilot, you keep removing yourself away from the value creation to start automating the features and then pilot to product. Finally, you know, you've done all these little releases, you build up your customer base. When you really have that product, that's when you can invest thousands of dollars in marketing and advertising because you've really nailed already that the product has value with certain segments and now it's ready time to scale. I'm not sure I caught all seven, but I'm going <laughs> to dig those up uh, from you after the program. And uh, if it's all right with you, summarize them on our Facebook page. I will send you a diagram. That you awesome. And I would there. love to put that up on our Facebook page, which by the way, I remind our listeners is called CEO Coach Podcast. So that's really great. Um, we need to go for another break now. And after that, uh, I'd like to come back and ask Lindsay if I put you on the spot for some hot tips that our listeners can take away tomorrow uh, and put into good use. This is CEO Coach, and we'll be right back. More on how to get your business on the web with CEO Coach after this. Do you look at the task of ranking your site at the top of the search engines like you would climbing the top of Mount Everest? It doesn't have to be. TopSEOs.com knows how hard that climb can be, and they can make top ranking a reality. Top SEOs send you to only the right search vendors and agencies that they know will work for you. Since 2002, TopSEOs.com has reviewed and researched the best search engine marketing agencies and solutions providers. Don't risk the cost of falling off the proverbial peak of search rankings. Let Top SEOs give you peace of mind. TopSEOs.com, the independent authority on search vendors. Ready to do a podcast for your business? Make that podcast elevate to enterprise level. Let WebmasterRadio.fm expedite and execute your podcast to build your brand and broaden your customer base. WebmasterRadio.fm has worked with the world's biggest tech brands, Google, Yahoo, and Bing, and have worked with fast-growing brands like ShipStation and GoDaddy. Now it's your turn. Contact brasco at wmr.fm and rush your enterprise-level podcast into production at a very reasonable rate. Email brasco at wmr.fm. Are you looking for the best in WordPress speed, security, and scalability? WP Engine is a digital experience platform for WordPress, powering digital experiences for large brands around the world. 
With easy-to-use site management tools and powerful do-it-your-way development features, WP Engine gives you the flexibility to build it your way. Improve your SEO and conversion rates with a faster site on WP Engine. Learn more on WPEngine.com. We're back with Jillian Music and Ann Kennedy on CEO Coach, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Welcome back to CEO Coach. We've been talking today with Lindsay Tabas about product market fit and where product developers so often go off the rails. Lindsay, tell us before we leave, what are your top tips for listeners for their own product development? What would be your hottest tip? It doesn't sound so hot, but talk to real people. So often founders come to me and they've done a lot of market research. They have numbers, dollar amounts, number of people that uh, have have spent this or that on on, um, a solution, Um, but they haven't done any actual user or customer interviews. And if they have, they've acted more like a salesperson Uh, Jillian, something that you've said before, like getting feedback on their product versus leading with the problem. Uh, Mm -hmm. And so I say, uh, talk to real people. This is like a first date, not a job interview. Like this person is the most fascinating person you've ever met. You're a user therapist, not a salesperson. Keep your product out of it. So I love the terminology user therapist. That's brilliant. Yes, I would, well, I would, I would totally agree. Yeah, I mean, I always felt that way, you know, in my years of doing the user research and then the user experience design, I would do contextual inquiry, go to some of my clients' offices and see how they actually work and the context in which they were using my software. Some of them hated their jobs. The last thing I wanted to do was make their jobs even harder with a bad design. So I really believe that uh, through like seeing yourself as a user therapist, you embody their, you really feel their problems and you want so badly for them to go away as well. So a good indication that somebody's actually following your advice would be they have actual questions and then they have lots of answers that they've taken down because these are the answers they got from real people. And if they don't have an idea of who said it and what they said about the question, they really haven't talked to real people. They're just whistling Dixie. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, Okay. Tip number two, drum roll. (laughs) I think again, it's, identifying a clear and specific customer. So often we hear uh, what's your target market and it's some version of everyone, right? Like all mothers over the age of 40, right? Like that is not small enough. So entrepreneurs get stuck because um, investors are asking them for large market numbers. But, But when it comes to product development, they need something even smaller than the target market to get started. They need something that Steve Blank calls the early evangelist and understanding their goals, needs, their personality, how to connect with them, how to make them happy is really, really important to get started on that small nugget of product that you're going to build up front. So I would agree there as well. And, and let's put a link to uh, Steve Blank's work as well as to that of, um, Uh, Malcolm Gladwell again. Anybody who hasn't read those books really ought to take a look at it. This concept of 
early adoption and early users and so on quite different than your entire target market. It is not disingenuous or duplicitous to have a massive market that you can present to your investors and yet to understand that we are at point A today, ideation, and point B will be launching a very small subset of superb products um, with a very small market. So I think that is brilliant advice, Lindsay. We've got time for one more tip. Have you yeah. So if you've done the research and you have this very, very, very small niche, then you need to detail your customer journey. Most importantly, what are they doing when they experience the problem and need your product? What would they go search for? How would they find you? And what emotions are they feeling? So a lot of the times, this helps really in like generally your big and small go-to-market strategy. Like, are they experiencing this problem and the first place they turn to is Google? Or is the first place they turn to a Facebook group? Or just a best friend, their veterinarian, a trusted advisor? You need to know where they're going if you're going to be able to insert yourself and offer your product as a solution. I would say that makes really good sense. And this idea that you understand the product, uh, kind of the, the journey is also interesting. It isn't just where they're going, but literally you said what they are feeling at the time. So if your solution says, ooh, that's fun, as opposed to we hear your pain, um, right? The question is really, are they super frustrated at the moment they are searching or something, even if it's a Google search, right? They are just so frustrated, they've got to go find something else going on. Meet them where they are emotionally is a very interesting process. And I really hadn't thought of that um, in quite some time. So excellent on that one. In addition, I would agree that understanding where your customers hang out, especially those early adopters, is going to be crucial to your success in getting the early product adopted. Exactly. That is such great advice. Um, and we have seen things like that work really well in the past. Jillian, I'm reminded of um, where we discovered the biggest market for Bread Approved was on Facebook. That's where they hung out. And it was a, a revelation. And they also let all their feelings hang out on, on, the, on the Facebook post that we saw. Um, Lindsay, this has been absolutely fantastic. Please tell our listeners how to find you, where to reach you. Yeah. So if you look up Lindsay T. Lady Engineer on Google, if the search terms are in my favor, you will find me at lindsayt.com, Lindsay with an A, uh, A-Y at the end. So you can find me. There's a link straight to my ebook where I actually discuss some of these tips and the general myths around product market fit. You're welcome to download that, um, as well as a bunch of other content uh, on this area, um, matching the customer and your business and your product. Well, Lindsay, thank you so much for joining us on CEO Coach. This has been most illuminating. I'm sure our listeners will find it are finding it really interesting. Um, but sadly, that's it for this episode of CEO Coach. We'd like to thank our producers at Webmaster Radio for their support. You can download these shows at webmasterradio.fm forward slash shows forward slash CEO dash coach. The dash matters. 
and also at iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, and many other places around the web. You can find links and more on our Facebook page, which is called CEO Coach Podcast. Do stop by, hit the like button so we know you were there, and tell us what you'd like to hear about on CEO Coach. Thanks for joining us. I'm Ann Kennedy with Jillian Music and today, Lindsay Tabas. And you can find out more about how uh, Jillian and I help companies to launch, grow, pivot, and thrive at outlinesventure.com. Till next time. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.